What has been labeled as the worst Naxal attack in four years, as many as 22 security forces personnel were killed and 31 others were injured on 3rd April in an encounter with armed Maoists in a forest along the border between Bijapur and Sukma districts in Chhattisgarh. Bodies of 17 security personnel have so far been recovered from Bijapur. Out of the total 22 deaths, eight were from the Central Reserve Police Force (CRPF), eight from the District Reserve Guard (DRG). and 6 from the special task force sdf out of the 31 injured personnel 16 belong to the crpf the crpf has also announced that one constable named rakeshwar singh manas of the elite cobra unit of the crpf was missing however according to media reports the jawan is being held captive by the maoists it is important to note that this was no tiny operation a contingent of 1500 troops had launched a search and destroy operation along the border of bijapur and sukma after getting inputs about naxal presence in that area the contingent was ambushed by a group of around 400 maoists possibly led by wanted leader madhvi hidma of the people's liberation guerrilla army however questions are now being raised if there was an intelligence or an operational failure after a report from the indian express quoted several police personnel who were involved in the gun battle stating that they were blindsided by the naxals So in today's episode we will try to ascertain what kind of intelligence is required to mount a security force like the one in Bijapur the misconceptions about the naxals and the fundamentals of battling that group To discuss all this for today's episode I spoke with Dr NC Asthana a retired IPS officer who has been the DGP of Kerala and a long time ADG CRPF and BSF Get tuned in to the big story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you. And I'm your host, Emmat. As I stated earlier, this was a massive operation. It included the SDF, the DRG, the District Force of Chhattisgarh Police, the CRPF, and its elite Cobra unit, with close to 1,000 personnel from Bijapur alone. According to a senior security officer who spoke to PTI, the mission was carried out after intelligence inputs were received that Naxals were carrying out their tactical counter-offensive campaign (TCOC) in the Jagargunda Jonagunda Tarim axis, which, to give some geographical context, is located in the southern part of the state near the border of Telangana. According to an Indian Express report, six teams of the security force were launched on the night of 2nd April, and the operation plan for them was to travel to Alipunda and Jonagunda, 11 to 12 kilometers south of the Tarim camp, respectively, and were to return at 6 p.m. the next day, which is 3rd April. These teams went the deepest and were the ones that came under fire. However, things didn't go as planned. Speaking to the Indian Express, a police personnel involved in the gun battle said, and I quote, "We didn't find anything when we reached the spot we were asked to reach." Once we started returning, they ambushed us. Another jawan stated that the two villages that the security personnel passed, Jiragao and Tekla Gudam, were completely empty, and that they realized too late that something was wrong. The bigger question is what kind of intelligence, both human and tech, is required to commission a mission like this. Dr. N. C. Astana, a retired IPS officer and a long-time ADG CRPF and BSF, describes the various types of intelligence and how actionable each of them are. I I, I will explain it. It's like this. there are two kinds of intelligence first is called human intelligence 
the second is called technical intelligence now technical intelligence even as it has been oversold over the years as a silver bullet it does not really exist you see we have extremely costly drones drones like the israeli heron heron costs somewhere around 96 crores per piece it's a it's a strategic device heron flies say from example from bilai or from hyderabad comes over the sky and flies at a height of nearly 15000 feet the problem is that even if it has got excellent optical cameras the camera optical camera cannot penetrate the tree canopy i mean anybody has to just fly in a helicopter at say even at 2000 feet and look down under the tree canopy you cannot see anything and what the human eye cannot see the optical camera also cannot see as simple as that and infrareds if you are aware infrareds can be stopped even by a piece of paper you put a piece of paper in front of your tv remote it will not work it's like this so neither infrared imaging can work nor optical cameras can work so such a heavy investment in all sorts of drones is a sheer waste and is an example of the intellectual bankruptcy of the entire system you see the, the drone heron or similar drones in the us were devised for say maritime surveillance or surveillance in the hills where there is no vegetation in the jungles of central india the tree canopy is very thick the undergrowth is small but the tree canopy is very thick so you really cannot see anything below it there is not a single example not one example since several years when imagery by the drone succeeded in giving any intelligence worth operational value above all if you see anything from the top suppose there is an open area somewhere and you see some people sitting there how do you decide and how do you make out that they are naxals and they are armed naxals who need to be attacked with rifles you see the jungle is not as uninhabited as most urban people tend to think there are many people hundreds of thousands of people living there any one of those could be seen by the drones so drone is busted it's a hoax it's a terrible waste of the public exchequer's money that's number one second type of technical intelligence could be interception of telephones or of wireless is a standard technology but defeated by the very simple fact that in the jungles there is no mobile network and they hardly ever use any mobiles uh, landlines of course the question doesn't arise and second as far as wireless is used wireless is concerned the naxals are also aware that wireless communication can be very easily intercepted so this has been defeated by two means it, it has been observed since years that they use wireless communication only to plant to deliberately plant misleading information so that you fall into a trap okay and second I am not aware of any instance when they have devised any sort of complicated code. And if at all they have devised, we are not aware of. If they are using what we call in uh, uh, professional languages, en clair, if they are talking without code, this obviously should mean that they are trying to mislead you. No, nobody is fool enough to talk in uh, uh, simple language. Okay, so technical intelligence has got serious limitations. Then comes human intelligence now what is human intelligence in very simple english human intelligence means you should have a mole somebody sympathetic to you inside the organization who 
consciously and deliberately betrays his organization by passing on information. In simple Urdu or Hindi, we call it mukhbir or spy, if you want to understand it that way. Problem with such organizations is that which are operating largely in jungle. Even if you have a mole or a plant or a mukbir or a spy inside the organization, how in the world is he going to communicate from there? You see, he cannot keep on coming out of the jungle or on one pretext or the other. Obviously, he would make other people suspicious. Second, why would, why in the world would somebody betray his organization if he has taken a conscious decision to join it? However, in an organization like this where absolutely strict financial discipline is maintained, and most of the cadres are not even allowed to leave the organization for any length of time, uh, organization or even the group they are operating in. There is no way you can subvert or corrupt somebody by paying him money. It's not possible. And for God's sake, had it been possible, Naxalism is, ex is in existence in India since 1967. That is uh, 54 years now. Why you have not been able to do it? Because you have not been able to do it, this means that it is not possible to do it. So in nutshell, there is no intelligence, either human or technical. Now, the general narrative of the Naxal forces, which is portrayed both by the media, by films and also by politicians, is that they reside deep inside the forest and thus are difficult to capture or control. Here is Indian politician Mohan Mandavi, who was elected to the Lok Sabha in 2019 from Kankar Chhattisgarh, reiterating the same narrative at the funeral of one of the deceased soldiers. Our इतने घने जंगल के कारण कहीं न कहीं हम लोग सूख जाते हैं और वो लोग कई बार रिकी किए रहते हैं और कब कहाँ एम्बुस लगा दे कब क्या कर दे इनका हम जंगल के कारण इनका मुकाबला ज़्यादा नहीं कर पाते लेकिन देर सवेरे ये सब ठीक हो जाएगा। But given that we are now in the 21st century with access to drones, high utility multi-terrain vehicles and the ability to drop our armed forces in any geographical area, should we be limited by the answer which Mr. Mandavi gave? Dr. Asthana believes that the narrative created in media and among the general public that the Naxal forces are hidden deep inside the jungle is nothing more but a romantic notion. Naxals are not holding on to any area. I mean, do not, let us not talk in military metaphors. Neither we have occupied any ground nor they have occupied any ground. Once again, it's, it's, it's a romantic notion which urban people or non-professionals harbor that the Naxal is hiding somewhere in the jungle. No, the Naxal is neither hiding somewhere in the jungle nor he is living off the jungle. I would suggest that you read one extremely interesting book by a man called Robert Weber. The book is titled War of the Flea. This is written on uh, such insurgent movements, War of the Flea. In this book, uh, he has cited uh, Chairman Mao that a guerrilla should take to population as fish takes to water. The the precept is that a guerrilla, if he remains isolated, hiding somewhere in the jungles or in the hills, he would eventually be eliminated like Che Guevara. An ideal guerrilla should mingle with the population. He should come out only to execute some attacks. At all other times, he should be living mixed with the population. The romantic notion which people have come to harbor derives from the films based on decades like Shole and such films. That Dabbar Singh is hiding somewhere. He has got an adda somewhere deep inside the jungle. 
and then people form a wrong notion that because the security forces are not able to reach that adda that's why the thing is thriving no it is not so naxals unlike the dacoits do not remain isolated hiding in the jungles or hills somewhere no they come they mingle with the population they eat with the population and come out only for committing attacks besides the intelligence inputs that the naxals were carrying out a counter offensive campaign what also made headlines was the alleged presence of the most wanted naxal leader madvi hidma so who is he exactly hidma joined the naxal movement in the 1990s and currently carries a reward of rupees 45 lakhs on his head he also leads battalion 1 of the people's liberation guerrilla army one of the most lethally armed and rigorously trained units of the maoist active in the sukma bijapur region he is suspected to be behind several naxal operations against the indian armed forces including the infamous april 2017 attack in sukma in which 25 crpf personnel were killed and another on 11th march in the same region in which 12 personnel of the central forces were killed what is also interesting about hidma's case is that the details of his life are very sketchy according to media reports there are no recent pictures of him no details of his exact age what is his build and there is also matter of dispute on his first name whether it is mandavi or madvi and not knowing these details which are rather important the mission in bijapur was commissioned with the aim to capture or kill hidma dr asthana believes that the narrative that only a few leaders are leading the entire naxal movement is a hoax and that the movement is more than just a geographical location this is once again a hoax created by the security forces the official press release of the chatisgarh police also speaks of that the operation was planned to capture or kill hidma once again the security forces in their utter ignorance and in their desire to mislead the people are trying to create a narrative that it is only a few clever leaders who have been sustaining the movement no it is not possible the movement has not survived on the strength of a few intelligent or clever leaders since the past 54 years we are actually in a self denial mode we are trying to deny that there are certain other factors which are responsible for the sustenance of the movement for example before palpati who used to be the general secretary of the cpi maoist for a very long time before he retired everybody in the establishment was hanging on to the narrative that uh, it's only ganpati who is responsible for doing all this he retired at a ripe old age because of some ailments which had been bothering him and the ultimate ignominy is that we have not been able to nab him even his retirement when the man has retired from active fighting he is living somewhere and nobody has any idea where he is so even after ganpati has faded out of the scene the movement is going on strong this means ganpati was not as critical as he is made out to be similarly hidma is not as critical as he is made out to be suppose we kill hidma tomorrow will that be the end of the naxal movement uh, the dgcrpf also has made a statement uh, which is stating the obvious that the villagers must have given them the tip off for god's sake who else could have there are no angels or demons in the forest who are giving information to them it's only the locals who give that is that's common sense you don't have to state this whereas the converse has never happened in say uh, i mean the matter intensified since 2007 uh, it was very much there or uh, say 2004 when the pwg and the ncc since 2004 has there been a single instance anywhere when a villager or a group of villagers came to the security forces touched their feet and said ki mai baap naxal is harassing us so much please do something i mean it has never happened 
Why? Why don't we introspect on this? Nobody has ever given any information about the Naxals. And in fact, had they given the operations would have been successful. The very fact that operations have been repeatedly unsuccessful means that nobody is giving intelligence to us. Why he is not giving to us? Have they reached what we call in Latin as modus vivendi with the Naxals or what? I mean, these are the these are non-military questions which must be addressed. Why are we averse to addressing them? Dr. Astana believes that the very fact that the forces were taken by surprise proves that the leadership requires a serious rethink and that the forces need to admit that there are practical problems in the solutions being offered right now. Here is Dr. Astana weighing in on the core issues that are not being addressed by the CRPF. You see, the whole approach is misdirected. I mean, the muscular approach, which has been re-emphasized by certain functionaries of the government after this incident also, that sort of thing. That sort of narrative has not worked since 1967. I mean, what has prevented? Legally, they are criminals, they are firing upon you, you are very much entitled to finish them off. Okay, what has prevented you? What has taken you 54 years? What has taken you so many years? Uh, I mean, it was in 1954 that the Naga insurgency started. Why could you not finish them off? So instead of admitting that there are practical problems in a military solution to the problem, we keep on boasting. That sort of thing. It does not really inspire any confidence. You see, uh, the official figure you may be able to take from SATP.org, but uh, approximately 100 battalions of the paramilitary are deployed in uh, anti-Naxal operations. Is that a small figure? And if that is not adequate, what else could be? So sources of the problem are elsewhere. I mean, the very approach of area domination is misleading. This, this is once again a military metaphor that your camp is based at place X and from place X to a radius of Y kilometers, you want to dominate the area. And in this case, as you very painfully discovered that even from a radius of six kilometers, you were not able to dominate. 400 armed criminals were available just six kilometers from your camp and you were not able to dominate that. So this very concept of area domination is a farce. It won't work. You see, Naxalism is not merely a military problem. It's a very complex problem with social, economical, political dimensions. And for God's sake, nobody should give that UPSC type of answer, that there is a trust deficit, that there is a governance deficit, that there is a development deficit. Leave this to the civil service aspirants. You are aware of all such things. They have been repeatedly emphasized in government orders, why they have not taken place. And if they have taken place, why they have not been effective? As simple as that. I mean, the fact that there is a development deficit, that there is a governance deficit, there is a trust deficit, the standard UPSC answer. Why it has not worked? And if it has worked, why, why such things are happening? You see, these guys are in a bind. Nobody would like to admit that is a fool. Simple. Once they admit they are fools, then they can proceed forward. As Dr. Asana said, the current solutions to the Naxal movement in India do not aspire confidence. Which leads to the bigger question. Are our casualties avoidable in the Naxal-infected areas? If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website. And for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com.
Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quince website and check out our other podcasts. 